you know, while I am an engineer who went on to do HR pile, uh, when I started, the whole talk was not about finance. You know, it was about HR getting a seat on the table. Then it became HR getting voice on the table. Then it became, you know, what is HR going to do once it's on there? But I think time has come for HR leaders to be enabled to create the table with the CEO. I think that's where it is. And, you know, people like me who've been HR leaders, uh, you know, when, when I started my career, there were a couple of inflection points that I had in my career. And let me share in my journey to be the CEO. I think first and foremost was, you know, that early understanding of how do you make money as an organization? How do you, how, what is the revenue cycle? You know, understand the business. What do we sell? Who are our customers? Why, why do they buy from our organization? Even though I was the HR person, I got into that whole bent of mind to understand. So I have sold Horlicks in hinterland of uh, India. I have gone and sold American Express credit cards to self-employed people. I've gone and sold insurance to people. So, you know, I've done all of that even as an HR person. You are listening to the Payal Nanjiani Leadership Podcast, the number one podcast in the world for leaders who want to be the best. Each episode is designed to help you recognize and overcome your leadership challenges and achieve great success at your work. This episode is brought to you by your host, Payal Nanjiani, a world-renowned leadership expert, executive coach, and author known for her leadership talks, corporate training, and executive coaching. To know more about Payal, visit her website, www.payalnanjiani.com. Welcome back to the Payal Nanjiani Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Payal Nanjiani. And today we have a very special guest with us on our show, Amit Malik. Amit is a former CEO and MD of Aviva. He has been in various C-suite leadership roles from CEO and MD, CEO, COO, and CHRO. Now, Amit is a dynamic executive and board leader with the singularity of vision and intellectual agility to challenge the status quo. With over 23 years of experience, Amit is well known as a mindful leader, passionate about building high caliber teams, coaching and empowering them to deliver to the highest potential. And it is a pleasure to have him here today on the podcast where he joins us to talk about the journey from HR to CEO. Amit, welcome to the Payal Nanjani Leadership Podcast and it is such an honor to have you here with us. Thank you, Payal, for having me firstly. Really appreciate the honor is all mine. And a very, very warm hello from me to all your uh, listeners, wherever they are, and namaste. Thank you, Amit. And I must tell our listeners that getting Amit on this show has been a huge, huge journey itself. Uh, you know, he's been so busy with his work as a CEO in Aviva. And uh, I know for him to take this time out and to come to us, it's been a real honor. So, uh, Amit, uh, let's start with something. Um, uh, what What are the things that you would like you know, to tell about yourself, which people must know about you? That's a very interesting question. So let me start by saying I'm a business leader with people at the core of my being, right? Uh, as someone who clearly believes that leadership is a choice. It's not a position. You can be a leader across the hierarchy. Uh, you know, I'm very passionate about increasing financial literacy in India and also very focused on improving inclusion and diversity in all aspects of life, not only in the organization, right? I, I clearly feel that, you know, my wife, kids, family and mentors have played a very key role in my career journey and I really want to thank them. I'm an avid reader. I don't know how many of your readers would know this and I have a personal goal of reading 36 to 40 books a year. 
and i'm an alumni of uh, you know cornell university said business school oxford and sibm pune so that's that's that wow and i must tell our listeners that when you said about reading books i can see so many books right behind uh, uh, amit's desk and chair right now like you know it's it, 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 it's it's full of books and i first question i asked uh, asked you amit is that uh, you must definitely be having a passion for reading and you said you try to aim for uh, what three books in a month you said three books in a month three books in a month that's that, that's fantastic and then you also said something about financial interest you know very few um, hrs talk about finance you know uh, how does that loop into your journey because you started from an hr and now you've gone to the ceo where does finance fit i think there are two parts to it you know one is the one is the personal finance and then there is the business elements to it the personal finance one is i clearly feel that you know everyone needs to understand their finances how they invest and create wealth for themselves it's you know it's what we owe to our families that so that's where the personal financial literacy comes in i think from a business standpoint you know while i i'm an engineer who went on to do hr pile uh, when i started the whole talk was not about finance you know it was about hr getting a seat on the table then it became hr getting voice on the table then it became you know what is hr going to do once it's on there but i think time has come for hr leaders to be enabled to create the table with the ceo i think that's where it is and you know people like me who been hr leaders uh, you know when when i started my career there were a couple of inflection points that i had in my career and let me share in my journey to be the ceo i think first and foremost was you know that early understanding of how do you make money as an organization how do you how, what is the revenue cycle you know understand the business what do we sell who are our customers why, why do they buy from our organization even though i was the hr person i got into that whole bent of mind to understand so i have sold horlicks in hinterland of uh, india i have gone and sold american express credit cards to self employed people i've gone and sold insurance to people so you know i've done all of that even as an hr person i think wow. that's been my i've sat in a when i was with abn amro bank i've sat in a bank lobby and done a customer service job and a teller's job for a whole day you know as a ceo i would listen to calls and i would listen to my customers calling in for an hour even as a coo i would do that and i would understand why the customers are calling the uh, call center and how we can help i think those been the things couple of points that have been i think a lot of people don't know in my journey that from a chro i also did 3 years a role of a coo which was the chief operating officer of riva life and then i became the ceo and i think that that stint really helped me you know understand the business in more detail position myself and also get the knowledge of the organization so i think that helped uh, the other story that i have is an anecdote in 2015 you know we were uh, rehashing the strategy for aviva india and my boss used to be a gentleman called trevor bull uh, he said that people who uh, when we present the strategy to the board people who do the function should not present for that function we should have someone else presenting to that function and i got the opportunity to present for sales and distribution at that time and i got some really good feedback from the board saying i think we have somebody who could be turned into a business leader you know and i think those were the inflection points in my career which have helped me transcend this whole journey from chro to ceo and let me tell your uh, listeners honestly i did not set out to be a ceo i think i just got lucky with the opportunities that my mentors and and i got during my journey yes i grabbed them and i worked hard that is true but you know i didn't set out to be one so that entire journey you also said that you know now it is time that hr creates the table so uh, how how do you do that do you think it's happening do you think hrs are now creating the table or are we still uh, into that phase of you know having a seat at the table 
I think very few of them are, but I think majority needs to. And I will tell you why, because, you know, when we look at what I mean by that, when we look at the board, right, I've been, I've been a CEO now, I've, I've interacted with boards, I've been the CEO. Right? When we look at the board ag- deciding the agenda for the organization, we look at saying five years from now, what the market will be, what the customers will be, what the products will be. And I think that's the opportunity for the HR leader to then step up and say, if this is how my market is going to change, if this is how my customer is going to change, if this is how my product is going to change, these are the skills and capabilities I need to start building in my organization today for us to be from a human capital there in in five years. And that's not only to capabilities of human capital, that is also capabilities of you know employees. What will our employees need five years from now? What policies do we need to have? What processes do we need to have? And that's where we start to create an edge because in the end, strategies are only as good as people who execute them yeah very true that's yeah. so rightly said and, and that's where the that's where the whole thing of creating the table comes in let's set the agenda let's create the table we have the tools as hr leaders let's just do that so amit uh, there are there are we don't hear this often that people you know leaders from hr get into the c suite roles like especially the ceo roles you know it's mainly for people from finance or sales that we usually come across what were some of your challenges that uh, that you had to face when you were taking like you said you were not planning to become the ceo it came you grabbed the opportunity and you went but just to uh, you know broaden that entire role of hr and to be visible in your organization for you to be picked up as a ceo what were some of the challenges you had to cross so well the process was it was a selection process so you know i didn't get picked up and so the selection process where i put my hat in the ring and i came out the board was very okay. good i think uh, the challenges that i uh, you know one one does encounter when you come first of all it was a covid time so you know the whole world was in a, in a turmoil there was covid and as an insurance company there were so many pulls and push on an insurance company from a customer standpoint mm-hmm. from a sales standpoint it really had a challenging period so i think that was one second when you are an internal candidate and you get a job there is no time for you to settle People want you to deliver from day one. So there is no honeymoon. There is no coming in and settling. There is no understanding the organization. So, you know, you got the job today. One week later, someone calls and says, okay, so what's happening now? Because, you know, you're an internal candidate. You spent eight years with the organization. People expect you to know. So your own learning time is not there. So where do you find that? I think there's also a very big external perception that people don't talk about. And I'm going to talk about and be a little provocative here. When people look at the organizations and say, oh, they've given the role to an HR guy. Are they really serious about the business? Do they really think that they want to create a market? There's also an external perception yeah. that you start, you know, you, you find this. So when you, when you go into the forums and when you go and meet with colleagues outside in the market, everyone looks at you as an HR guy. They don't look at you as a CEO. CEO. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, you know, that whole perception of the organization, then, you know, you need to work on it. You know, So I think those are the couple of stuff that, you know, you know, you really need to work on. And also, I think, you know, you need to have an end-to-end understanding. See, when you do a CXO role, no matter... What happens, you never have an end-to-end picture of the organization as a whole, unless you are either a CFO or a CEO. You know, but a CFO is also not, not everyone has the end-to-end from a right. sales perspective. Right. I think that you don't get, and you know, you have to quickly learn that because every decision that comes to your table needs you to have that thing. I think you need to quickly come up to speed. And I think that's that's something that, you know, one did encounter as a challenge. But yeah. Okay. But like 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 you said that, you know, when, when an HR becomes a CEO, People usually have that question that, you know, that uh, 
you know, confusion that, okay, HR into CEO. So did that impact you and your work? Like how, uh, in what, how did it make you feel? Because you rightly said that you keep your under scrutiny all the time now. So how did that make you feel or how did you overcome that challenge particularly? No, I think I see it, it's very internal. I never had that perception in my mind that I'm an HR guy going on to do a CEO role. One, because I'd gone through the process. So I had the confidence of the shareholder and the board. I'd gone through the process. I knew that I have got the job on my own merit and my own capability. And that was that was that was something that I that I that I wear very, very proudly. Second, I had been with the organization for eight years. So I knew the people, I knew the process. And the, you know, and I never took it in my mind. I never saw myself as an HR guy. So my own perception was I'm capable to do this job. I know what it takes to do this job, and I will deliver, and that's what I did. And that's how I started my journey. I think See, that is what I can control. Right, because and, that, and that's why you 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 have also in your introduction it was that you know you are known as a very mindful leader that you're working a lot on yourself internally. Yes. So wow. that's how that's how I I approach the job. Okay. Okay. So I think with what you said, you know, just not feeling that from inside that hey, you know what I am HR and now this is how they are considering me. I think that became a huge shift for you as you're saying that you did not consider it internally. Or you did not let it impact you internally. You know, Pyle, I firmly believe the messages that you give to yourself are the messages that manifest for you. Oh, that's wonderful. So well put, Amit. And the messages you give to yourself are the messages, are the things that happen outside in your in your in your life. So uh, you you also mentioned here that uh, uh, you know when that for you to take a broader picture, it only happens when you are either a CEO or a CFO. So how did your own perspective change when you were an HR versus when you entered into a CEO role? I think first and foremost was, uh, you know, as a CEO, I had a part PNL responsibility, but this was the first time I was getting a direct PNL responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the organization and in an insurance organization, you look at top line growth, you look at actuarial reservings, you look at investments, you know, because we run fund, you look at sales and then you you decide how the interplay is going to be and to understand that interplay is, is crucial. You know, how do you grow sales? How do you product price the product right? How do you make sure that the reserving for the actual actuarial is done so that you are solvent? How do you how do you make sure that your investments are right so that you have the working capital? I think that key input of the financial levers and the interplay between the end to end was one thing that I learned quickly and that was something that you know I had to learn and I understand and then be able to do it. Second is I think no matter what role you have done in an organization, when you become a CEO, your stakeholder alignment changes. You know, all of a sudden you have a, you have a very different kind of a stakeholder. You, you know, you have a very different kind of stakeholder conversations with your shareholders, with your board members, you know, with the, with the regulator, with the external bodies, your stakeholder alignment and conversations change and how good are you, how quickly you can adapt to that change, I think is something that, that I did. Okay. The third piece that, you know, I've always kept in mind is uh, decision making every day, every decision, whether it is right or wrong, comes on your table and it is a learning. How quickly you take that learning and go, see, as a CXO, you always think I have a boss who I can mm-hmm. ask for, mm-hmm. who I can put here, you know, it's it's on your table every day, every decision and people are looking up to you to take that. So how do you take that learning, right, wrong, and then move on and how quickly you do that? I think those were the couple of things that, you know, that I was very mindful of and I focused on in, you know, and in on getting the job. So. Okay. 
So just listening to you, uh, Amit, it, it it shows that the amount of uh, you know stress or the amount of uh, decisions and work and tensions that this role has, um, you have you know how how are you maintaining that mindfulness? What is it that you do in your daily life that can help others also to maintain that state? Like you said, I'm learning and I'm 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 constantly making sure that I'm mindful of what I am doing. How are you doing that? Is there so, an exercise, what do you do? Sorry? Is there an exercise, a routine, a ritual that you have that can really benefit others? So, you know, I uh, I would always have in my calendar, one, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I became very miserly with my time. I became very miserly with my time. I wouldn't give away my time easily. So I started to manage my time much better. You know? wow. I, like I went and said, no. Why should a meeting be more than 30 minutes? So I was there. Second, you know, I, I kept I kept slots on my calendar. Like every day I would have one hour on my calendar, which was my reflection time. Wherein I would reflect on what went right this day, what what needed my attention. You know, during the during those emails, 400, 500 emails that you get in a day, everyone wants a, you know five minutes or slice of your time. Yeah. I, I kept one hour, which was my reflection time to see, did I do what was important and urgent today? If not, then I would do that. So, you know, I kept that time to myself. I reflected on what went right, what went wrong. How do I need to prepare for the next week, the coming days? So I kept that time for myself, mm -hmm. which was my thinking time, a problem that needed me to think and spend 15 minutes to ponder over it. I, I kept that time. Second, I kept 45 minutes of time. That was my, my exercise time, my walking time. Every day, five days a week, I did that. You know, mm -hmm. Some days you didn't because of your engagement, but five days a week. And that was my time to then self-reflect on me as an individual and person. Not so much about work. I tried to keep my, you know, that was my time to think about my family, my kids, my reflection time and what I need to do, where I need to focus on. And I think both that interplay helped me, uh, you know, deliver and get more out of the hours in the day that I had. So, you know, that I was very, very cognizant. Wow, I think that's 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 really nice. And with what you said, no, it reminded me of um, a chapter that I have written in my newest book. Uh, it has what we call a self-optimization uh, wheel, which was actually derived scientifically by me, specifically for the CXOs and CEO level people. And with just what you said, you know, the time is so limited in, in, in the life of leaders. Uh, and when I say limited, I mean in the day, you know, that it is so limited that everyone wants a piece of them and everybody wants to say something and get their work done. But the way you've explained it, that, you know, you've, you've, you know when to say no, how to cut down on the meetings. And I think that's that's been wonderful. So what's been the worst and the best part of your job of being a CEO? Let me start with the best. I think the job is exciting. Okay. It's heroic and it's uncertain because you cannot anticipate everything. And I think that brings the fun and the, you know, the element of the job. But let me, let me ask was, you something here. Amit, let me ask you something here. Did you, all, uh, did you feel it's going to be fun uh, before you had stepped into this role? I always knew it was challenging, but you know, I'm someone who will always make it fun and happy for myself because you know, you're going to do that. So, so why not have some fun? Why not have happiness? Nice. But, you know, I, one, one should always find that right. And wow. you know, I would always do, you know, I think the ability to laugh at oneself is something that I, that I cherish a lot. I laugh at myself, you know, when I make mistakes, when I, I really laugh at myself. So, you know, I think that's how you should, you should never take yourself seriously. I don't take myself okay. seriously. That's that's something that I've been. I think the worst thing is, you know, I had always heard people say it, and I I've worked with enough CEOs to say this, but it is actually very very lonely at the time. Oh, it is. You yeah. know, and 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 the other thing is, 
you know, you have to quickly understand that not everyone is out there to make you succeed. Mm. There are people who deliberately want you to fail. And I think that's the worst part of the job because you know that and you still have to deal with those people and you still have to go ahead. Because, you know, when you are a CXO, you can call out people on that. When you are a CEO, not always you can call out, but you understand that. So I think that's that's something you live with. So, yeah. Very true. Very right. Uh, in fact, uh, with what you said, uh, yesterday I was delivering an online session for a company and uh, my topic of uh, discussion with them was uh, how to develop the intuitive powers inside of you, you know, as a leader, because and the same sentence which I used was that as you grow into higher positions, you become more and more lonelier. So how do you really develop into that, uh, uh, you know, uh, leadership quality of depending more on yourself? So I think you just hit the nail there when you said that uh, for people who, like you said, you know, you worked different roles you you worked into the finance you were even at different parts of your uh, life when you have worked in different roles how can people prepare if for those who truly want to become a ceo what are some of the preparation that should go into their journey i think a couple of things i'll reiterate while i've all i would have said those things during the past i think first and foremost is understand your business and your revenue Irrespective of what you do, you're in audit, legal, compliance, finance, marketing, whatever operations, understand how the company makes money. Second is know your customers. I think that's very important. What your customers want, because you know that we all need to understand, we all we all exist because we have customers. If we don't have customers, we will not exist as an organization. Third is build relationships across organizations. I think that really helps you in your career and in your success. Fourth is be good at execution. You know, when you are growing up the ranks, every leader wants a team member who is good at, good at execution. So be good at execution. And the fifth is, you know, do a cross-functional role early on. I, I got that opportunity to do way, way, way later in my career. You know, and I'm thankful for the opportunity I got and the people who had faith in me. But I wish I had, I had taken up that opportunity far earlier in my role and then come back to my function then, then in my career than I did later. So I think those are the five things. I would want people to focus on and then irrespective of what your goal is, whether it is to become a CX or whether it is to become a CEO, whatever, I think that will help. I think what you said is so correct uh, in the end that, uh, you know, we usually get stuck in our own field and we say, okay, we'll just continue in this department and in this role. But the cross-functional aspect that you brought in, I don't think many of us even look at it. You know, we just become very comfortable doing and then we upskill ourselves in the same way. Uh, to, to, and then, then later on, we just hit a plateau, you know. So I think that is when uh, that that's a great piece of advice that you put it all together. So let let let, let me wrap this up by uh, by some rapid one liners with you, Amit. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let yeah. me, what was that? I know, I'm I'm like I'm like feeling to be on the couch with you know coffee with Karan, which is a big Indian talk show. So I'm looking forward to the rapid ah. fire. Okay, okay, great, great. I, I must watch that then with what you said. Okay, so so yeah, let's 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 take this ahead from there. Uh, if you if you love people, get into the HR role. Is that true or false? Uh, if you love people, get into sales and communication. HR is a lot about people. People are there, but HR is a lot about frameworks, policies, uh, processes, getting maximum out of productivity, getting maximum out of your people engagement. So you know that's that's about it. Okay. Wow. Great. The biggest, uh, the biggest leadership myths that you've ever heard. Uh, it's all about the hard stuff. Forget the soft stuff. I think soft stuff is more important than the hard stuff. Okay. Uh, that brings me to another one. HR is all about the touchy feely soft love. Ah, 
HR is all about metrics. HR is all about measuring. HR is HR is a lot about getting people to be productive. You know, and if you have to get people to be productive, if to if you have to upskill people, it's a lot more about being touchy and feeling. Yes, you can always you always have to be a listening ear and a and a helping hand. That's different from being touchy and feeling. Okay, one thing that motivates Amit to get out of bed in the morning. I myself every day morning I get up I look in the mirror I get ready and I say let's go conquer the world that sense of achievement that wow sense of achievement that's wonderful you can have a dinner party with any four leaders across the world who's on your invite list ah four four is too less okay let's say <laughs> i think first and foremost uh, mahatma gandhi he's been my idol so i would really want him there uh, you know second i think someone who i've always admired uh, walt disney saw so much of failure and learnings in life and look what a legacy he's left for all of us so walt disney would be very good uh, princess diana i've always admired her chutspa you know and you know and and you know her whole personality uh, fourth one uh, maybe roger federer recency effect he's just uh, retired yesterday but you know a good sports person and you know whatever i've known of him he has that funny side to himself so yeah four of them would make a good dinner conversation mahatma gandhi walt disney princess diana and roger federer I've I've read the biography of Walt Disney. It's 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 fantastic. You know, if our listeners want to ever grab it, it's it's really good. Which superpower would Amit choose? Invisibility or mind reading? Invisibility. Why? I need to ask that. Why? <laughs> you know, because uh, so you know, like you said, mind reading and quickly. Why would I want to know what people? Uh, you know, what what goes on people's mind? Because it it will only bring more heartburn than heartwarming. So you know, sometimes ignorance yeah. is bliss. and invisibility is yeah. it gives you it gives you the opportunity to to be unseen to be not seen and and to be able to then know a lot more about world and people and stuff and where you want to be so yeah mm, okay that's a good one if you could go back in time and change one thing about the corporate world what would that be uh, lots but i think one thing that would be bell curves I think we should. I think I think a lot of companies have done away. It's about high time everyone did away with them. I think bell curves shouldn't have even happened. How can you have? How can you say I have a seventy percent mediocre organization? Yeah. True. Oh my goodness! I thought you were going to say ageism, you know, because you and I were discussing that uh, just <laughs> yes, earlier. Yes. Yes. And uh, yes, I, 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 I want you to touch upon that. I want you to touch upon that before we before we wrap up. You had some wonderful. So you know why. See why I didn't tell ageism because you said go back in the past. I think uh -huh. ageism is a problem that is present and a lot in the future. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think when we talk about business leaders and we talk about diversity, we talk about inclusion, talk about race, gender, LGBTI, you know, experience. We don't talk about experience and ageism. You know, why would you say that? You know, I'm going to only hire somebody who's 45 to 50 years for this job or who's 25 to 35 for this job? why would why would we not talk about experience that people bring in you know i really wish someone would have a list of 60 over 60 rather than 30 under 30 and 40 under 40 mm. and i have nothing against 40 under 40 or 30 <laughs> under 30 i think we need to celebrate but we also need to celebrate people who are 60 over 60 and mm. who have reinvented themselves or 50 over 50 who have reinvented themselves and are contributing so much more to the society to the corporate world i think we need to celebrate those stories I so agree. i think i think that's it 
Oh wow, this was such a great wrap up. I I really had to, you know to get you to touch upon that topic that you and I were speaking earlier before the podcast about ageism, and I think you've really pointed that out so well. So uh, thank you so much, Amit. It's been such a pleasure to have you here. You've given your time, your experience, your learning, you know, so authentically and uh, and so generously and graciously to our uh, audience. And uh, it's an honor to have had you here. Uh, thank you very much for having me and giving this opportunity. And I and I and I'm and I'm really looking forward to interact more with you and the viewers in the future. Thank you and namaste as this is from India. Thank you and here's to our listeners. Uh, until the next episode, this is Amit Malik and Payal Nanjiani wishing you loads of success in your career life. God bless. <laughs>